0: Hey, Rational Fear listeners, we have a live show coming up on Tuesday. Uh, we've got a huge lineup, including Jane Caro, Alice Fraser, and the leader of the One Asian Party, Michael Hing, who's going to be doing the One Asian Party launch on stage at Giant Dwarf. If you want to be part of an historic political campaign, come along to Giant Dwarf. The tickets are at giantdwarf.com.au. And if you use the code podcast, um, you get $15 tickets. Oh, Lewis is also going to be there. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I love to be
1: forgotten. Um,
0: always a pleasure. Yes, I'll be. Be there, but don't worry about that. Jane Carrow is much better. <laughs> and DJ Dylan Bain will also be there, and we're going to be hearing from a little bit from him a little later on in, in this show tonight. All right, let's start the podcast. A rational
1: fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, gum, and Section 44. A rational fear
0: recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, Clive Palmer says he's worth $4,000 million, which proves he has trouble grasping figures, not just his own. And Health Minister Greg Hunt admits to the National Press Club that Scott Morrison is evolving into the Liberal Party's greatest ever leader, which is strange because Pentecostals don't believe in evolution. And Sky News presenter Chris Kenny has quit Twitter. Apparently he wants to spend more time with his dog. This is Irrational Fear.
1: Irrational Fear!
0: You're set. Hello and welcome to Irrational Fear. This is the show that tells you what you should be scared of. Joining us in the studio tonight are two of News Corp's finest corps. Uh, well, they're live corpses. <laughs> Still they're live corpses. Still warm. <laughs> corpses. We've got Joe Hildebrand from news.com.au. Hi, Dan 10 How are you? Welcome. And we've got Janine Parrott from Sky News. Good day, Janine. Hello, Dan. Thank you for joining us here at Irrational Fear. And also, we've got Triple J's Lewis Hobber, the public broadcaster. Boops.
1: <laughs> 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 Always nice to be here, Dan. All right. Uh, Um,
0: It is uh, great to have your company here. I want to talk a little bit about Clive Palmer's insane press conference. Did you see it earlier this week? It was a 12-minute rambling press conference with Deb Knight. Deb Knight was, was not pulling punches, asking the tough questions. But when you're asking tough questions and you're, and the person you're interviewing is just completely ignoring those questions, it kind of doesn't even work.
2: If you're talking about Clive Palmer just rambling on nonsensically, you're going to have to be more specific, damn. <laughs> yeah. Is Was it, is it this year? It was last it was week. It... it
0: was last week. Oh.
2: Deb Knight was asking him
0: tough questions about workers, payments, uh, all sorts of things. When when she really pressed him on those
1: workers, he came
0: out and said, yeah, yeah, I'm a bad man, so what?
1: <laughs> Which I thought was very refreshing. It
0: there wasn't... are
3: other words.
1: Yeah, it was nice <laughs> to see some honesty from Clive on that. Yeah. What would you describe him as, Jan- Janine?
3: Oh, I once said uh, that I was worried I used too many B words bombastic, blowhard, buffoon, and I was going to move on to the C words.
0: To <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Make your way throughout the whole alphabet. Uh, terrific. Uh, he also said he's worth $4,000 million. Janine, you are an economics expert. Having reported in finance for a long time, and even
3: I had to think twice. I thought you don't (laughs) often hear four thousand million. I added it it up because there's American billionaires and Australian billionaires. What's the difference? That's basically four billion. Right. The four thousand million in our terms is basically four billion, which is still. More than double what the rich list claims his worth is, and I'd say still four billion mm. more than he's worth. The rich list
0: claims he's like only worth 1.8 billion, yes. right? And so, but what? But what about British billions? Do they? Well, American
3: they... billions. There is a thousand million is a billionaire, so they're billionaires. But they've gone back to our... It's very confusing, oh which is why Clive thinks he can confuse uh, us because we are confused. Where's Put it this recline way, when you need him, we you really don't need believe this, a word he says when it comes to money. <laughs> That's the simple answer.
0: He has no policies whatsoever. I don't know if you mm. saw this last week. In the Daily Telegraph, he put out a double-page spread, basically saying two things: one, don't vote for Liberal; two, don't vote for Labor. And he actually offered no other policies
2: whatsoever. But that, to be fair, that is a pretty good policy. I mean, <laughs> that that is that is where a third of the electorate's at right now, and the way that they've both been going, well, you know, he's onto something. Do you think he can capture a third of the vote, Joe? No, no, I think he's picking up soft um, One Nation votes that got. Uh, pissed off with the the gun thing a bit. I think their base pretty much didn't mind the gun thing. And then, of course, once the the Steve Dixon groping strip club sort of thing went. I mean, the guy didn't even pick up. He wasn't even successful. So he's drunk, and he's a loser. But um, uh,
0: back to Clive, though. Oh, Clive. We're not we Steve none, Dixon yet. <laughs> back, to, back to Clive, though. Um, how do you uh, how, how do you think he's going to go? Like, do you think? I,
2: I, th- I think I think we no, I honestly think we're not for the implosion of One Nation. He would be absolutely nowhere on the radar. I think people are looking for a place to park their protest vote, and it could be a can of apricots, it could be a jar of brill cream, or it could be Clive Palmer. <laughs> it could be a tub of to
0: tell her. Uh, Janine, is he not racist enough to kind of pick up more of those handsome votes? Is this part of a problem? I don't
3: know. I fear for Australia. I mean, that's one of those things you say I'd leave the country. If Clive Palmer gets back in, it just shows what's wrong with compulsory voting. In
0: the Deb Knight interview, he said that he's going to win government. And it took Deb Knight a step back, and she went, well, Win government? He Are he's you going to be prime minister? He said, "Oh yes." Oh, he's I running so. in
1: the Senate. He can't be prime minister. It's surprising
0: can't he
3: can't. No, he can't. But he can. be yeah, But, but they, he, somebody. Imagine what would happen if they won. Mm. Then somebody would resign, and he'd run in the by-election.
2: Oh there
1: my you go. god! Could, yes.
3: You don't think he's going to miss out on being PM, do you? He could I potentially
2: hold him. the balance of power in yeah. the Senate. That's not inconceivable. Yes. I think he's done quite well with the whole, yes, I owe the workers money, but I'm not going to give you any unless I win. <laughs> yes. like it's, a, it's actually, it's like the whole, you know, the old saying, you know, if you owe the bank a million dollars, it's your problem. But if you owe the bank a hundred million dollars, it's the bank's problem. Mm. So I reckon the reason, because Herbert is one of the seats, Herbert is the seat where he is screwed over the most people. Mm. And it's also the seat where uh, the United Australia Party, in Clive Palmer, is the most popular. So I reckon there's a bunch of workers there thinking, holy crap, if I don't vote this guy in, I'm never going to see my money.
3: He claimed this week that he put the money in a bank account, and I looked up. You had to fill in all these forms. I feel sorry for him. There's about seven forms and proof of work <laughs> and stat decks from different oh. liquidators. He is not making it easy. Then for you've got it. to
0: attach it to your MyGov account, <laughs> and then if you oh, lose your phone, you just, forget man. that. That's all over. <laughs> oh, it's just too hard. He decided to come out and actually clarify a few things he did say on tonight on today. So he's made oh, an great. incredibly coherent um, PSA for oh. us all.
4: My fellow Queenslanders and other Australians who live outside of Queensland. People in the street always stop me and ask, Clive, I'm trying to get through, could you please move aside, also tell me who to vote for? And I say yes. Don't vote for Liberals, don't vote for Labor. they think they know everything about government but they don't know that they don't know anything about governmenting. Vote for me, I know I know nothing about governmenting, I'm a businessman. Some of the fake news called me a failed businessman. I mean, you know. Ah. And then the fake news say that I still owe $7 million to the workering people in one of my failed businesses. Is it true? Yep, absolutely. But thanks to the fake news media crapping on about it all the days, I'll give them their money after the election. It's perfectly normal. Is that blackmail? Maybe. Will they vote for me in Herbert? That's up to them and how much they want their money. That's called escrow, look it up. The fact is, I'm really good at business. Here's how good I am at business, let me maths at you. My wealth is $4,000 million, right? But if I spend 5,000 million cents to get 300 pairs of legs into parliament, then I can get $6,000 million back once we approve my giant waratah mine that sits in the Galilee basis. But wait, there's a bonus. If anyone who gets elected leaves my party, they'll get hit with half a million dollar bill. But why would they leave? Maybe because they found out that I'm just trying to literally buy way into parliament to change laws so I can build a mine, big fuck off mine. It's called insurance. If what happened after 2013 and everyone leaves, I'll be even richer. Think about it, six billion minus 50 million. That's a million dollars profit. If you love Australia as much as I love the part of Australia that has the coal that my Waratah mine least sits on top of, then vote for, the, vote for the United Australia Party. Send a message to the major parties that your democracy is for sale. Pretty great
0: stuff there. That was actually Heath Franklin doing an incredible impression. of No, I,
2: I found it very compelling. I, I <laughs> thought i thought it thought it was I'm prepared to vote for the real guy. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see his candidates.
1: <laughs>
0: well, in the double-page spread, there's, uh, there's like 50 candidates on the double-page spread, but some of them are just avatars they've stolen off they Facebook. They
2: didn't even just bother getting an egg from Twitter and sticking it in there. <laughs> yeah. And they did. They should have made it fun. Like, they've got the silhouettes, but they're not fun silhouettes. It should be like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> or no, like a Guess
0: my Who candidate guy. for wills. Yeah. I actually think that he's just getting a whole bunch of dentists to run. Nah. <laughs> Irrational fear. It's because they're communists. Yes. Your fear is rational. Alright. All All right, Joe Hildebrand, what is your rational fear for this week?
2: My rational fear is actually a rational joy, which is this is the week that uh, nominations have closed, uh, the ballots have been printed, the how-to-vote cards are all being handed out, which means that it's time for the dirt units in both parties to dump everything (laughs) they've got on every dodgy candidate and every unwinnable seat, and I think it is just... Magnificent. Um, the only exception, of course, is Steve Dixon, who didn't need a dirt file <laughs> dumped on him because he basically carried the dirt <laughs> file himself he was with the him dirt at all times. <laughs> That's right, and, um, and and basically single-handedly uh, gave Clive Palmer. All his votes, I reckon. I reckon... In fact, I don't think One Nation voters, the really hardcore ones, deserted them over the NRA thing because yeah. we all know that that was a Muslim ABC conspiracy. <laughs> but, but the Steve Dixon thing, and this is the rule in politics, that you you can be evil mm. and that's fine. In fact, that's, that's helpful in politics. Preferable. But you can't be an idiot. And so the minute you look like an idiot you pretty much got. So this guy so Stephen he goes I know what you're about to think but I mean I mean it's so dumb you can't even speak. At least at least most of the idiots in politics at least they can talk. But this guy is literally dribbling. <laughs> And and he's got and it's all and thing he couldn't even if you can't pick up in a strip club like this guy literally <laughs> couldn't organise a route in a brothel. And well, he's, uh, he's falling all over the place. And the other thing is, okay, remember that Pauline Hanson's maiden speech? Yeah. You know, they're saying we're in danger of being swamped by Asians. Yeah. She was right, <laughs> except it only applied to one man, Steve Dixon. And now he's finally come out and told everybody about it, but he's bragging about it, so he's kind of saying it like this is a good thing. So they can't even be racist right. <laughs> like if you're gonna be racist, <laughs> at least be
3: consistent
0: <laughs> I just can't but I can't believe that he lost his seat, his position at one nation for going to a just a strip club mm. and not harnessing the millions of dollars of lobbying power from a foreign agency. I feel like
1: for me it was the moment he called Breasts Kahunas. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I reckon confused there. Yeah, you're like I don't th- think I think so. you're thinking of Kahunas yes. and you're thinking of balls. Mm. You've got it all mixed yeah. up. Like if you're going to be a gross old man in a strip club, at least get your terminology. He was
3: under the influence of drink. I love the people who were comparing him saying, "But how come Kevin Rudd went to a strip club and it helped him?" Mm. Well, you know, because, no tape. I don't think it would yeah, have been quite as bad. Cuz Kevin right?
2: Rudd didn't get swamped by Asians. <laughs> Kevin Rudd went over to China. The Asians got swamped by Kevin Rudd.
0: And he went to a strip club on the Upper West Side of New York, which That's is right. very the different place. Right. Right. Having said that, I think we should play um, a bit of Jeopardy. You guys up for Jeopardy? Oh, oh yes. Yeah, exactly. All right, here it is. This is Disgraced Canada Jeopardy. We've got a mother of three from Victoria who enjoys hiking in Asia Minor. It's Joe Hildebrand.
2: (laughs) Joe, what charity are you playing for today? I'm playing for Christians for Conversion Therapy.
0: (laughs) Next, we've got a former astronaut and palliative care Pilates instructor hailing all the way from Middle Earth. It's Janine Perret. And my
3: charity is the red meat eaters who are being swamped by (laughs) vegans at the (laughs) moment.
0: And our final guest tonight is a sentient nectarine whose hobbies include hanging out on a branch and bracing for the frostbite of a late autumnal change. Despite all this, he's always in season. It's Lewis Hobber.
1: Thrilled to be here, Dan. And my charity is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's play disgraced Canada Jeopardy. This is Disgrace candidate Jeopardy. We have three uh, columns of subjects. The first subject matter is have a go. The next subject matter is dumb, drunk, racist. That's never going (laughs) to (laughs) work. And the last subject matter is 44, save all. Now, all of these questions have to do with candidates in the last probably year or so who have lost their candidacy. Oh. Are you Ready? Okay. Alright, let's kick it off Lewis, you can pick first um, Can I take Dumb, Drunk and Racist for 100 oh, please Dumb, mind. Drunk and Racist for 100 mm. In a recent public meeting I said Israel's treatment of Palestinians Was worse than the South African system of apartheid Which made some sensitive pro-Israel groups in Australia Really pissed off
3: oh.
1: <laughs> God, it's so hard to keep track of all our racism <laughs> It's just impossible I remember this. Who was it? I'm going to have to toss it over. Oh, <laughs> oh who knows? I Janine, I Janine. Know I
3: it. know it was the member for Curtin in Western Australia or the, the Labor person going for the West Australian seat of Curtin for Julie Bishop and Lisa?
0: you gotta, you got to answer like, like Jeopardy question. Who, who, is? Who, is, who
3: is the Labor member for Curtin running against Julie Bishop called Lisa?
0: I'll give it to you. It's Melissa Park. Oh, oh, well wow. done. You had everything else right. Well done. I'll take that. Huge. All right, great. Uh, you can go next, Janine. You're on. You're I'll on. Janine, Janine Parrott is on 100. Lewis Hobber is on zero. And Joe Hildebrand's on zero.
3: 44 save all for 200.
0: 44 save all for 200. Here we go. I resigned because there was a slight possibility that I may be able to claim polish citizenship which is a shame because anywhere would be better than the seat of laylaw in victoria where i was standing as a liberal candidate
3: <laughs> no. Oh. No, sorry
2: you're out <laughs> I think I just want to say I think that from now on, if we've learned anything from the past election campaign, the very fact that you stick your hand up to be a candidate for an unwinnable seat <laughs> should automatically disqualify you from being a candidate for an unwinnable seat. <laughs> Any idea, anyone? Uh, what was the Liberal candidate for Leyland Polish citizenship? No. Who is oh, oh, come oh, on!
0: Oh, still Janine Parrott on, on 100, killing it. All right, let's go to Joe.
2: Oh, I'll take uh, Have A Go, thank you, Dan, for 100 points. Have A Go for 100, OK. I'm
0: a liberal kind of guy. Don't mind chinos. Don't mind a chambray shirt. But you know what? I also don't mind my Labor opponent. He's a good bloke. If I wasn't running, well, I'm not anymore, I'd vote for him. In fact, my labour opponent Richard Miles, he's a very hard to criticize, which is exactly what I said in the Geelong Advertiser and when the liberal party read it, they pulled me from the race from my seat of Corio. Oh, cryo, cryo,
2: cryo. It's Corio.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. so to... I grew up in Geelong and yeah. I cannot have
2: I know that it's stand. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's another No, I don't know. I'm not going to waste your time.
0: Who is Murray Angus? Oh, oh, Jesus, uh, people,
2: these,
1: these are all <laughs> You remember these? We can barely deal with <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, there's yeah, been
2: nine this <laughs> week, Dan. So, this why week. are these nobody candidates who never won so hard to remember? <laughs> these have all these happened in the last couple
0: of weeks too. Oh, God <laughs>
1: damn. All right, I'm going to um, go for broke and I'm going to take 44 save all. For 400. 44 oh, save I want. I need, I'm losing and I need a game winning <laughs> <laughs> victory. I resigned as the Liberal candidate in the seat of Fowler
0: and I resigned over the fact I have Vietnamese citizenship.
1: Oh. Jesus. No, I don't know this one either. Who is Courtney Nguyen? Oh. Oh, Janine,
3: oh, Janine. Yes. Janine Perrin. Oh. Have a go for 200. Have a go for
2: 200. Make any difference? I like how you agonize her the <laughs> category. No one's going to be a
0: specialty. I'm a former Labor Committee member running as a Liberal in the seat of Weroa in New South Wales. I tried to renounce my Lebanese citizenship, but the paperwork's taking a long time. I renounced Lebanon ages ago.
2: Is it those guys from 60 Minutes?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This one was new, right? This one just happened the other day. And he was like, and they said, have you done it? And he said, No but I sent them an email or something and yeah. they were like, that's not how it works. The Malcolm
2: Roberts defence, yeah. yeah. Don't you just love all the countries that won't let you leave? Why <laughs> 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 do you want to leave? It's a beautiful place.
0: Who is Sam Kale? Ah, oh, oh, man. I know the feeling. Right. I've ordered kebabs that have taken a long time too. It's totally fine. Oh, all right, man. great. It's so your go, Joe. Is it, oh, my God, it's still going. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'll take <laughs> Dumb <laughs> Dragon Racist for $400. Dumb Dragon Racist for 400 I'm really distrustful of large banking
2: empires and that of the Rothschild family. Oh, more you know, so. that's the guy in the. Just give it to me. Uh, Michael Someone, the NT. The NT So candidate. much so,
0: I shared a meme on Facebook about that family from the page of David Icke, an anti Semitic conspiracy theory who believes the world of the show. is under the control of
2: reptiles this is re- masking right. themselves reptiles as Jews. The, the, the Rothschild thing, the global, I was yeah, really the looking forward to representing <laughs> the Northern, Northern territory, territory. I said that already. Northern for Territory. Labor. Is it Michael Someone? Oh, come on. I took that Labor guy in the Northern Territory. <laughs> I'll what give it to you. you. All right, I'll
0: give it to you. 200 points goes to Joe Hildebrand,
2: who is Wayne Kurnoff. Wayne the oh, same that's thing. If you turn great. the W upside down, it's an But
1: Dan, <laughs> I don't know if we can keep going on this. I can't keep losing it <laughs> to all, yeah, all right, these I terrible the candidates. and you gave it to me, so just, just pretend I won. Uh, uh, that's what my mum used to do. I'll give you 200.
0: Can, you can do one more, um, <laughs> Lewis. Go, go Dumb Drunk Races for 50.
1: All right, I'm loving taking leadership (laughs) from the host. Thank you, Alex Trebek.
0: I resigned after footage emerged (laughs) me at a a Washington, D.C. strip club, groping a
4: dancer
1: (laughs) and making derogatory remarks. The biggest dick of them all, Dixon, comma, Steve. Correct! We've got Lewis on 50,
0: Janine Perrin on 200, and Joe Hildebrand on 400. Yay! Jeopardy
3: is also brought to you by A
1: Rational,
0: rational Fear. Janine, what is your rational fear for this week?
3: Oh, debates. Debates. It started off on Monday and then we had one on Thursday with Zali Stiegel and, and Tony Abbott. But I could not believe that Sky looks so good on debates. Well, I can. We do <laughs> debates excellently. But how bad was Channel 7? Oh, my From God. Sitting down when they showed them on those bar stools looking like a... Bad episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? To the stupid split grin. The one advantage Bill Shorten has is Bill is Scott Morrison's silly smirk. So instead, Bill Shorten sits there with the grin that made you look like you wanted to put a ping pong ball down his face.
0: <laughs> Bill Shorten's smile looks like someone's got it in his ear to say, "Okay." Now it's time to smile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, bit, and so you can actually see him remember to smile. He yeah. just goes,
1: ooh. Yeah. yeah. It's like there's someone out the back sort of actually turning the dial. <laughs> yeah. I wonder ooh. who is it's like he has a stage mum, like in you know, a teenage yeah. beauty. He's like, Bill. Lips yeah. and teeth. Lips That's and right. teeth. <laughs> that
0: right. oh, was awful. Um, do you think um Scott Morrison could have held that smirk for the entire debate? Do you think that is why he lost um the debate? Because he couldn't he just couldn't hold that smirk for, for sixty minutes? Well
3: the thing is he probably even though he was looking ahead and couldn't see Bill Shorten's weird grin. He must have known subliminally he was being outsmirked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the next debate should just be an hour of silence where they just smirk at each other, like a staring contest.
0: I couldn't agree with you more how terrible that Perth Channel 7 studio looked. I watched the health debate with um, at the National Press Club, and the angles in the health debate are so
2: much better than the angles in a t- television
1: and they don't on have Basil.
2: There's only one angle you need to get out of the health debate, and that is that the Labor Party is going to put a tax on Tim Tams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a young reporter there from AAP uh, who I'd never heard of before, and um, she said a question after Triple J's Shalada Madora. She looked like a young Triple J person, and her name was Marnie, Marnie Banger, and I thought, oh, that is a great name for <laughs> a Triple ball, J, oh J reporter. What? Only she worked at Triple J. Are you kidding? We'll <laughs> oh, hire her for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for more on the debates, stick around because right now we're going to play you something from the News Fighters podcast. Dylan Bain, who is the DJ at Irrational Fear, he's got a brand new podcast. It's called News Fighters where he mashes up the news each week and puts them in a beautiful package. This is his News
2: Fighters podcast. This is News Fighters. Where we fight the news. So you don't have to.
5: Hello, Fearmongers. Welcome again to this special teaser episode of the podcast News Fighters for Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Dylan Bay. Now, let's get straight into it with the televised head-to-head battle on Monday night that millions of Australians tuned in to
4: watch. Television's biggest new competition. Welcome to Lego Masters. Lego Masters.
5: No, 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 not that one I was talking about. Scott Morrison and Bill Shorten go head to head in the first election debate. To be fair, Lego Masters basically summed up what Australian political parties do anyway.
2: You are building things to destroy them in
5: amazing ways. To the debate itself, it was produced by Channel 7 in Perth and from the very beginning it was obvious that it was trying to brand itself as an epic action movie showdown. Yes, the music was reminiscent of the movie Inception, which was an apt metaphor for the entire election campaign because like Inception, it goes for far too long, everyone wishes it was over and it's left everyone questioning whether or not we're living in a horrible dream. The over the top sound design didn't stop there the entire debate was punctuated by random out of sync sound effects that sounded like a bad naughties TV game show.
2: As you're watching the leaders debate every question asked tonight well thank you Basil and thank you to all of those who have joined us tonight. In 12 years ago that was well thank
5: you thank you everybody well i'll tell you i haven't heard that many random out-of-place sound effects in an election speech since bob Hawke in 1987 by
1: 1990 no australian child will be living in poverty
5: Anyway, straight off the bat, ScoMo started the debate with a white-faced lie. We all agree that Australia is the best country in the world. Meanwhile, Mr Smooth himself, Bill Shorten, kicked things off on a congratulatory note. I
0: must acknowledge that this is the first time ever there's been a debate in Western Australia, a leaders' debate, so congratulations to the West, you scored the first debate.
5: Yes, wow, what a momentous and historic occasion for Western Australia hosting this debate. Let's cross to footage of the crowds gathered in the street to celebrate it. In summing up the candidate's economic messages, ScoMo was basically having a Halloween party of scares, while Shorten was having a pity party about fairness and prices going up. And so there is a clear choice. Higher taxes or lower taxes. Everything's going up in Australia except people's wages. I think your money is better off in your hands than it is in the government's hands. Bill thinks it's better off in his. You name it, everything's going up except your wages. Is this a strong economy for who? Who benefits at the moment? Bill Shorten almost had a decent election campaign soundbite there. Bet we never hear it again. Moving on from that, and it was finally the audience's chance to ask questions.
2: And thank you to Corey for two very thought-provoking
5: questions from our audience. Hmm, thought-provoking. I wonder what Corey's thought-provoking question was.
1: Prime Minister, I'd like to ask you a question. What do you think of Clyde Palmer and and his questions today?
5: And And his comments today? So, what does Clyde Palmer got to do? How important is Clyde Palmer to your campaign? Yes, that question really is thought provoking. It made me ask some big questions, like where the hell did Channel Seven find these people? Were they paid to be there? And who wrote down the questions for them? Anyways, in the post-debate wash-up, moderator Mark Riley had this to say about Bill Shorten's performance. Bill Shorten handled it with uh, kind of a deafness. Yes, a deafness. And here's some of Shorten's trademark deafness with language. People aren't putting solar rooftop on their ha- on roofs. So have all the other pensioners. So does everyone else who works tax. For hip surgery
0: and, arth- arthros- uh, and uh, cataracts. He's now spending all that money
5: bombarding you with these crazy posters and the you know, whatever Australia and uh, you know, and the digital wallpaper he's sending you. Yes, Shorten there mentioning digital wallpaper and I guess highlighting the upcoming advancements of Windows 95. Anyways, to the winner.
3: Bill Shorten has been voted the winner of the first leadership debate. Well most commentators and the studio audience scored last night's first leaders debate as a narrow win for Bill
5: Shorten.
4: 25 of them marked it to Bill Shorten, 12 of
5: them Marked it to Scott Morrison. Yes, the studio audience gave the debate to Bill Shorten and didn't he leave an impression on this particular audience member?
1: I thought that John...
5: Bill Shorten was very confident. Yeah, so good luck to Labor leader John Shorten in the upcoming election. Anyways, at the end of the day, Mark Riley summed up the mood in the audience like this.
4: I think a lot of them, to be frank, remain disillusioned with politics generally and and the leaders themselves.
5: Yes, and again, the fact that this debate was shown without much promotion on a digital multi-channel and was thrashed in the ratings by grown adults doing Lego proves that the overall mood in the electorate this election is... You know, whatever Australia... (laughs) Thanks for listening, Fear Mongers. That's the end of this special teaser episode of News Fighters. If you like it, why not listen to the full episode and subscribe on your favourite podcasting apps? For more info, check out our website, www.newsfighters.com or follow us on Twitter at News Fighters Pod. I'll see you at the next Irrational Fear. Keep fighting and bye for now.
2: This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to.
0: Wasn't that great? Oh, fantastic! Uh,
2: fantastic. <laughs> Love Dylan. A rational
0: fear.
3: Scientists, technicians, and experts are now looking into the cause of the failure. There's an
0: economist called Steve Keen. I don't know if you follow Steve Keen on Twitter, but he has a theory that progressive voters should be voting. Liberal this time round because there's an economic disaster looming and it would mean that Liberals would have to deal with the biggest economic disaster ever <laughs> so they could, so wow. that would ruin the brand that Liberals are a good
2: economic managers. Is this something you agree with? Isn't that a plot out of the West Wing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I, a, a mate of mine who works for the Labor Party, Labor Party strategist, um, he said one of the worst things that ever happened to him was when the New South Wales government accidentally, the Labor government accidentally won an extra term and everyone thought they were going to lose. It was when Morris, Morris, got up. Everyone thought he was going to go down and he was going, Oh my God this is fucked. Like, this is the bit where we're meant to bow out. The whole thing comes tumbling down. We blame the libs for it and we need the libs to come in. They make all the cuts to the public service that we can't make and we don't want to make because, you know, we don't want to upset anyone. We want to look like the good guys. So they come in with their razor gang. They slash it to bits and then we come back in four or eight years' time and make everything better again and everyone loves us. And, And the fact that the, the campaign team, which I think he was probably working on, <laughs> was so good that they accidentally won and the Libs were so useless that they, they lost when they weren't supposed to, um, screwed up the whole cosmos. And the, the exact same thing is happening federally as well. Bill Shorten was put up by the Labor Party, basically to fail. He was meant to carry the can as opposition leader as a kind of penance and for, then for disappear. rolling two prime ministers. And then once it looked like the, the election would be winnable again, they'd put in someone else like an Alba or a Bowen or a Burke or whoever. And And no-one predicted that the Libs would fuck up quite as much as they had. Like, no, it's unprecedented. You could have seen it coming.
3: But just to your theory, or Steve's theory, he has a point, you know, because George W. Bush, the economy basically blew up on the Conservatives' watch. Barack Obama came in and saved it and got blamed for it forever and we know what happened where that went, put in a good businessman to run it. Same thing Kevin Rudd. He copped the the GFC... Do they get any credit for it? Absolutely none.
0: And the recession we had to have off Mm. the global 80s crisis as well. Mm. I spoke to Steve Keen a little earlier today and this is our interview with him. Now, you may remember a couple of months ago, uh, we ran a crowdfunding campaign on Irrational Fear to raise money to build the telephone number 1-300-who-the-fuck-is-PM and one of the top donors of that was a man who joins us now and he, he joins us because he donated uh, enough money to buy a 15-minute slot on Irrational Fear. So this is like paid promotion, really, but it's... <laughs> this is cash for comment. <laughs> um, but in many respects, it's a very interesting yarn. He is a rebel economist. He's the author of Debunking Economics. He, You may know him from Twitter. Uh, he is at Professor Steve Keen. It is Professor Steve Get G'day, Professor.
6: I'm at, but it's actually Prof. Steve Keane on Twitter. So just oh, uh, say people typing too many. Ke- yeah, just Prof. Prof. It Steve is. Keen. It
0: is the. It is. Uh, it is fake news. Is what I was. What I divulging yeah, here. Yeah,
6: yeah.
0: <laughs> and now you've just put something on your Patreon last week, which is a pretty interesting idea. Uh, and you are basically trying to say to people that we shouldn't vote, well, progressive voters, like, look, look, there's no doubt about it. People will definitely yeah. know that I'm a progressive voter, <laughs> that, 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 that we shouldn't be voting uh, for progressive parties this election, but we should vote the Liberals back in because there is an economic storm of brewing. And finally, this will disrupt the narrative that that Liberals are good economic managers because they've always passed the buck uh, when when economic bad times have come right at the same time as when Labor gets in. Uh, explain to me, how is that true?
6: <laughs> okay, well, if you look at the, the, the major political victories Labor's had uh, since uh, the, you know, we got rid of McMahon, it was the 1972 election, so 73 in comes Whitlam, and like, I would never in a million years say... I wish that had gone the other way because I was – I would have been – I wouldn't have been in Vietnam. I would have been in hiding as a Vietnam War resistor. Right.
4: Uh, actually right. I, had my,
6: I had my bags packed uh, to go to the draft resistors union at Sydney University uh, Union building that night if, if Labor actually lost. So, you know, three cheers for golf on those first – I think it was the first 100 days when he and uh, I think Lance Barnard just got rid of an enormous amount of crap from the period, as well as getting out of Vietnam, we started Medicare. So that was a brilliant thing. But of course, they walked straight into what's called the Kem Lani Affair, uh, when they're trying to raise money from foreign borrowings. uh, and And they had the massive inflation boost at the time, the economy fell apart in 74, 75. And for ages, you had the uh, don't vote Labor because they can't manage the economy. Then you had Keating and, um, and Hawke coming in and they actually rode, they didn't, they're not aware of it, but what sunk uh, Whitlam was the first big private debt bubble burst uh, in post-war history. And you had the level of credit, which is the main thing I focus upon that sets me apart from all other mainstream, well, all mainstream economists and most economists to boot. Uh, credit went from about 17 20 percent of gdp down to five percent and that caused a collapse in demand unemployment went from about one and a half percent to five as well as inflation going up that's what screwed whitlam and then we got fraser can yes. you just
0: dumb it down for me back back at that Whitlam yeah. moment is that because credit yeah. was all of a sudden a lot more expensive or a lot more a lot less accessible to, to people
6: well, it went from very accessible to accessible to not accessible at all. Right. And then you went from massive demand to a slump in demand. Everybody blamed it on the Labor Party and bad management, but it was actually a credit bubble bursting. It was a global thing. Same thing happened in America. So mm. I, I, I regard 73 as a real turning point in the global economy from the sort of tranquil days, from the post-war period. That's when it all fell apart. and We've been living in mm. that aftermath ever since.
0: Then of course, everybody remembers the Keating moment when we had the recession we had to have, but that was also yeah. a a global machination as well,
6: yeah. But it, it, I mean, it was turbocharged by Hawke and Keating because one way they got us out of the '87 stock market slump was to, I think, I think they 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 reintroduced the first home owners grant. I call it the first home vendors grant because what happens <laughs> is people get the you know, extra, you know, in those days I think it was three thousand dollars off the government. Go mm. to the bank and the bank said oh, that's great. Here's another thirty thousand, <laughs> uh, which you can give over to the vendor. And of course, that drove prices up dramatically. We had a huge bubble. I think in in eighty eighty nine to ninety one, house prices rose by about thirty or forty percent in real terms. Uh, and then it all slumped when that when that when the boost went away and when people started going bankrupt because they'd borrowed so much money. Bang! We had what Keating called the recession we had to have, and that was the first the the first time. In, in post-war history, the credit went from positive to negative. It went from about, again, about 20% of GDP to minus two and a half percent. That's what caused that slump.
0: And then the next big slump was. Was right back when labour was back and when labour was in power again. The GFC in
6: power and like that was the classic hospital pass. when you say hospital
0: pass, you have a beautiful analogy that you've written in your in your Patreon post about the
6: hospital pass. Have you played rugby league sometime in your life? I imagine you'll need to explain. I remember playing in my my school days, and you you know you're running. You've got a ball. You've got three of you running along, uh, you know, to to support either side. There's five of them right in front of you. There's no way around it. Uh, you, there's a possibility one or two might make it pass, but you, you've got these two guys you can pass to. One's your best mate, and the others are the, 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 the class asshole. Uh, and you think, oh Jesus, who do I pass the ball to? Class asshole. Bang. Five of them mug him. That's what I see as the situation for this coming election. Whoever wins it is going to be walking into an economic maelstrom and possibly also a climate maelstrom. Uh, they'll stuff it up for sure. They'll be destroyed by it, carried off the field in a stretcher, and they'll be saying, oh, that guy can't play football. You know, don't give the ball to him anymore. It was just the circumstances. So given what I think so is you coming. The, are you yeah. saying
0: the Liberals have been lucky every election to kind of have good economic headwinds globally to kind of boy their, their credentials? Yeah, across, um, to, to across, a large extent. Uh, yeah, I mean, 50 it, years, yeah. really half
6: a century. Yeah, I mean, for a start, they, they, we had Menzies coming in after the Second World War. Uh, at that stage, we had incredibly low levels of, of private debt, uh, plenty of credit around, lots of in, investment. And like back in the Menzies days, we actually had uh, plans to build things. Like I, I think and Mark, Mark Oliphant was actually working in, in the UK and the government wanted to bring him back you know, to boost Australia's role in you know, high technology research. And Mark Oliphant said, I can't come back because you haven't got a cyclotron. They said, we'll build one. And so he came back. I mean, that that was a level of dedication to building stuff in the country we've completely lost these days and it's not all about... We used to have. We used to have. We've lost it.
0: Your detractors may say that, you know, you're... you're- you have a history of being a bit of an alarmist, you know, a bit of a sky is falling kind of guy. Uh, what if you're wrong here? what if what if what if the economy kind of plateaus out and uh, or we see enormous growth again and the oh, liberals are back in again? Let, let's go. Back, what let's if?
6: go back to that famous bet, okay? Uh, because I, 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 that was my first experience of being shafted by the property lobby. Uh yeah. okay because i um i was warning about the financial crisis and like i would got another uh-huh. analogy there and that is imagine you've got a, a road race going on when you've got a driver and a navigator in every car and in there's 99 cars and 100 cars in the race and uh, they're all going towards a, a roundabout and you're the navigator saying to his driver slow down slow down slow down the road the road's slippery you're going to skid and everybody else doesn't take your advice And they go through the roundabout really quickly and they all smash Mm. and you get on the other side and there's no problem. And your driver turns you and says, what are you worried about? There was no problem back there.
0: Um, Are you trying to say you're Australia's Steve Iceman standing up in the middle of a Bear Stearns profit and loss statement, reading out text messages for your phone? I'm, I'm, I'm quoting the Bill the big short here. Yeah. Is
6: that you? Is that you, Steve That was King? me. I mean, I know all the guys in the big short. I've met all of them. Um, <laughs> and, and and we all sort of shared you know, war stories about the whole bloody thing. But my little <laughs> situation there was I was interviewed on the 7.30 report by, by Kerry O'Brien for half the show. You know how rare that is. And he asked me about, he asked me in that, what's going to be happening to house prices? And it's pretty much the first time I spoke about it. And what I've said was, well, uh, Japanese house prices fell 40% after their bubble economy burst back in 1990. And I see no reason why we'll avoid the same fate. Uh, Next week, next day, he interviews Rudd and savages Rudd about my views. And Rudd, Rudd was really flustered. We all know what what a calm and reasonable personality Kevin Rudd was, of course. (laughs) <laughs> very, very trusted. One week later after that, out comes the stimulus program. yeah, you know, and I agreed mm. with the thousand bucks for everybody who had a pulse in the country. I agreed with the uh, uh, the the school building all this sort of stuff to stimulate the economy. What really pissed me off was they doubled and tripled the first home owner, owner's grant. And I came out saying, well, what's mm. the problem with house prices? Are they too low?" Uh, you know they're going to restart the bubble, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but that's fundamentally what happened, and we got out of the crisis by by getting back into into credit once more. So if you look at what happened to credit data there, predominantly household credit, it was plunging from about 20 or 5 or 30 percent of GDP, much much higher than America, hit down to about uh, about. of GDP, but didn't go negative. Mm. So we stopped the negative credit experience that America had. So America, Mm. when when the crisis hit, went went from plus 15 to minus five, 20% turnaround in demand. That's what caused their slump. We avoided it, but by avoiding it, we continued adding to private debt. So uh, what that meant is when, when now, like a decade later, we're going to face a similar, I don't think as, as deep as America, I might say, but similar downturn in credit demand. It's going to be from a much higher level of private debt. So when that happened mm. back in 2007, 2008, on banking of International Settlements, we were roughly at 180% of GDP as the debt level. America was at 170. We're now at 210 so, you know, we're like we're jumping off Mount Everest. And that's why I think uh, it, it, the only way to avoid it is to continue borrowing money. And that I think we're just at the absolute limit. That's why I think this time around we can't get out of it. Uh, I'm, I have no doubt the government will try, whatever government it is, and they'll probably bring back mm. the first home vendors boost and all this sort of crap to drag people back into, into more mortgage debt. But uh, it'll just mean we just. Delay the few Delay the delay the time we jump off the cliff and choose a higher cliff. So the the best long-term
0: decision, if you're voting next week, is to vote Liberal out of spite. Just to- exactly.
6: <laughs> Give it over to the bastards. <laughs> to sit back and watch the Murdoch press try to explain why it wasn't really their fault, <laughs> and it's all the fault of the Labor opposition <laughs> that this recession is happening. Yada yada yada. My my dream scenario is that Morrison oh wins the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then uh, walks into a huge economic maelstrom, probably does the right thing and panics and pumps money into the economy, maybe does the wrong thing and tries austerity. Uh, total chaos, um, savaged by the new leader of the Labour Party, Tania Um And and then uh, two or three by-elections occur. They get wiped out. A year later, there's a new election Tanya gets in control, and and we have a Labor Party after that. So we put up with one or maybe a year of Morrison before he gets completely shafted, and nobody ever has to ask again the question, where the bloody hell are you? We know he's in retirement, working for the coal industry. Uh, that's my dream scenario.
0: <laughs> well, Professor Key, Steve Keane, thank you for uh, giving us an enlightening look at, about mainstream e- economics. We're all looking at it the wrong way, clearly. Um, if you want to follow um, Professor Steve Keen, you can on Twitter, at Prof Steve Keen, also on Patreon, at Prof Steve Keane. And thank you for, um, for running a deficit yourself and giving us a surplus so we can uh, get 1300 Who the Fuck is
6: PM off the ground. Fantastic. I want to hear that one goes, mate. Let me know how many listeners you have, and I want to be there at the moment. It changes over.
0: I know that's what I'm waiting to. I'm waiting for that too. So I like I'm I'm currently waiting for um my monthly $190 bill mm,
6: mm-hmm.
4: <laughs>
0: to to turn up and as they turn up I pay it but um the one next month is going to partic- be particularly sweet so I can hear the hear the Wikipedia tick over and the new the new voice appear that'll be great.
6: On the third stroke, the Prime Minister of Australia will be
0: a rational fear. Steve Keen there, pretty interesting guy. If you like that there's going to be more Irrational Fear on Tuesday on stage at Giant Dwarf. Head to today, you and um, and please buy a ticket. Podcast gives you $15 tickets. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell a friend. Um, are you guys going to tell your friends about this podcast?
2: Yes, I am. <laughs> Thank are you, are you going to tell your friends about my podcast? Is this why I'm here? Because I'm cool again? Oh, got a yes, podcast. sorry. You've got a podcast. You need a plug. Yes, it's. I'm usually more professional. <laughs> no, so that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> that's, uh, but yes, I've got with Sam das- and uh, uh, you, you can come on it as long as you're disgraced. Uh, <laughs> and A.H. Kayleigh as well. She's hip. She probably works here. She, uh, Yeah, she uh, she started out here, A.H.
1: Kayleigh. Yeah. She used to be a broadcaster. Yeah, I know.
2: Kid. She's made me cool again.
1: That's how <laughs> I... <laughs> She's that's how in.
2: I get to wear a T-shirt.
1: And then yeah. Sam Dasciari has really ruined any coolness you might have had. Janine <laughs> Parrott, where
0: can people catch you?
3: At Sky News. 5.30 with David Spears.
1: Uh, so if you want to check out
0: Janine, head off to your local Qantas club and uh, and sit down with a bit of uh, for Sky News. <laughs> and Lewis Hubber, how can people engage with you on a day-to-day basis? Um, I mean,
1: I'm on the radio every day, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, you can find me wherever. My- Lewis Hubber. You know, come to see the show on Tuesday. Please yeah, do. tell you
2: personally where to find you. Yeah, yeah and the ads will be right here. Yeah.
0: Now early in the show, we were talking with Professor Steve Keen and about an article he wrote on his patreon saying why he's voting liberal, which is basically because there's an economic storm coming and it's about time that they suffered some economic uh, problems themselves rather than blaming it on labor the entire time. Uh, I decided to have a bit of an extended conversation with him and talk to him about if you are thinking about buying a home at this market, should you? So, Professor Steve Keane, <laughs> with, with the doom and gloom that you just kind of laid out for us, with the housing bubble on the, on, on the horizon, about to be popped, um, what do you say to people like me who don't have many, don't have much savings but uh, have decided to give a vocation to comedy and have a, you know, a, a just kind of thinking about, you know, where they should be putting their money in the next little bit and thinking about buying a house maybe the next five or six years what do you say to those people? Say, More specifically, me. I'd
6: say wait three years. Uh, reason being yeah. that what's what's what causes house prices to rise is rising levels of new mortgage debt. That's that's the that's the driver. And this is completely un, misunderstood by the Reserve Bank and all the mainstream economists in the country. But do you uh, think about the, the demand for housing? You want know, to put it to how many physical houses are going to get bought? Is new mortgages, which is what you buy a house with, divided by the price level? A bit of mathematics gives you the answer that to have rising house prices, you've got to have rising level of new mortgages. That's been going on in Australia for 40 years. We've now reached mm. the point where it just can't keep on going, and it's now got, it's now turning negative. So while you've got negative, uh, you know, the rate level of new mortgages is falling, house prices are going to fall too. And in America, that took about th- uh, six years. House prices peaked in 2006. They fell to about 2,000. And- 2011 Uh, and then they started to rise again because the level of new changing your mortgages became positive once more so I reckon we've got a the the government will throw everything they can at to try to get house prices rising Australia's main government policy is to have affordable expensive housing Um, Mm. but I think it'll be about three years of falling prices before it bottoms out and I'm sticking with my 40 percent peak peak to trough fall which is what the Americans experienced in fact house prices fell 40 percent from the peak
0: Steve, I'm going to get you back on the podcast in 2022 and I'm going to talk all about it. Okay, sounds good. A rational fear. It also goes to highlight the rights and responsibilities of social media.